0: Welcome to the Red Raven Games Podcast, episode 25. I'm Brenna Asplund, and while uh, Red Raven Games is busy at the Gamma Trade Show, I'm here again bringing you part two of the Empires of the Void 2 live Kickstarter stream. Once again, I apologize for the sound quality. It was recorded live, so there's a lot of sort of skips and jumps in it, but I did my best to make it listenable. Uh, I've also tried to sort of a bridge it down to include just the most interesting info. So I hope you enjoy. A quick, just a quick question from the chat. Uh, Aaron and asks, is there a lot of art yet to create?
1: There actually is quite a bit of art left to create, especially because I'm, you know, we're going to do these. I'm really confident we're going to do these large, uh, these Euro-sized cards. Mm -hmm. And before when we launched the project, I hadn't been planning on doing, illustrations for these cards, which means that now I got to do them and I'm excited to do that. I love doing card illustrations, but I've already done a couple and I'm just going to move along and it'll be great. I'll show you guys my work as we go along. Even
2: the things that we've shown or we've seen, even those are not like final art. Ryan works daily and daily there are...
1: Yeah, I kind of tweak things. It's just a constant process. I mean... This is the interesting thing. I mean, we run Kickstarter. When we do a Kickstarter project, it's, it may be a little bit different from other Kickstarter projects that you're used to. A lot of other Kickstarter projects, once they show you that box cover or once they show you that board, that's it. I mean, it it's going to the printer. I mean, there's nothing you can say about. It. But it's common and for us to you know adapt and and go along. I mean, I like I like that part of Kickstarter. I mean, I back a lot of video game Kickstarters because they do that. Because when they present you the the game. Uh, they haven't made it they all they've made is sort of the trailer <laughs> for the game and then they go along and they get feedback for people and and, and so, they're making the game based on that feedback. Yeah, the feedback affects it. the game and and obviously we we're, we're not we have the game already. We're not designing yeah. it from scratch, mm-hmm. but there is a little bit of input and push and 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 feedback that we like to take and I'll take that and polish it in a certain and push it in a certain direction. So, yeah, and, it's, and that's that's
2: kind of why it's different. You know, a lot of these uh a lot of our board game the great games that we see on Kickstarter are uh I wouldn't say our pre-order, but I've heard somebody's used that term, right? Like, uh, it's kind of like a pre-order system. Like, the game's there. It's already going to be like a thing. It's like a finished product where they have, they've already manufactured the copies or something, <laughs> right? And it's the art's done. Everything's finished. The components, the cards, the you know, and that's not, um, that's not a direct criticism on anyone. No, I mean, that's, right? that,
1: you know, some, it's that, that approach. works. That's just a different approach. And I have totally backed projects like that and yep. I'm excited to do it. Me too. Um, but, you know, we, we, that's how we run some of our product, product projects. So.
0: So, Clobook Clo asks, uh, Hi, Red Raven Games team. Hi, I hey. wanted to ask if you see yourself making uh, miniatures for future designs, or do you only consider them for Empire of the Void 2?
1: I, uh, yeah, actually, we are going to do miniatures in most of our future designs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, we're a minis company. We're now. a minis company. No, not, not really, but <laughs> not to that extreme. No, I, no. no yeah. Uh, I, I'll tell you, we've made actually, we've already made a game. It's in manufacturing. It's in the final stages of manufacturing, and it has some minis in it as well. Um, we didn't kickstart that game. We're just going to release it.
0: Remember how we said we'd have more surprises.
1: There you go. That will be-
0: Surprise yeah. mystery game. That's
1: a that's an August <laughs> release uh, this year. So I'm really excited about it. The thing is, why are we doing minis suddenly? It's because I can suddenly um uh, sculpt Model. sculpt. Minis. <laughs> Ryan Ryan leveled up, guys. He I got some experience got <laughs> those skill points <laughs> to get the new 3D modeling uh, skill. Yeah,
0: it's
1: fun, you know. It's mm. I'm excited about it.
0: Tommy Gunn asks, you've always actively engaged uh, the broader community that supports your games, soliciting ideas and creative suggestions, some of which have manifested themselves in the final product. How does the community interaction affect the way you approach your overall design goals? More specifically, did you plan several possible outcomes for the current campaign in regards to overall community reception of planet tiles versus a more traditional multi-planet board? How does this admirable level of engagement challenge your playtesting
1: schedule? <laughs> um, it is interesting. It throws a wrench into the normal production, um, but I think it is really valuable. You know, I like to do it. I like, I like getting feedback. Back when we did City of Iron 2nd Edition, uh, we did a Kickstarter for that. We, um, on Near the end of the project, I revealed the new board that was going to be in the game, and um, everyone hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hated it. It was like the comments were like, we hate this thing. It's so much worse than the original board. And so that night I went home and I fixed up the original board and I stayed up late and I presented that board to everyone the next day and said, hey, we can have this board since you guys hated the new one so much. And I thought it was better anyway. You know, hearing that feedback from the community, I thought, yeah, you're right, that original board with it. It had um, it was so unique for that game and and so you know so important for the the look of it and so I'm glad that the community helped me to do that and we have that original board. Now um, on this one I didn't expect to change things in the middle of the campaign. I actually expected that the game that we presented at the beginning with the tiles was going to be the way we we went. But after a week and after talking amongst ourselves and just reading comments and listening to people and. That it, you know, it sort of sparks uh, my creative mind a little bit. It's kind sort of sort of a catalyst, and I just start thinking about things and about what what, what could make it better and, and what I would like better, and that's how it goes. Yeah. So
0: when you hear different perspectives, it kind of lets you, lets you yourself see the design from a different perspective, from a different viewpoint, and see new things that you might want to pursue.
1: Right, right.
0: Uh, Joey asks, can you tell us some bullet points of your design goals? So a quick rundown. What are your goals? Put
1: this with this so game. So I have three main goals. Goal one, tell a story that's set in a sci-fi space setting with memorable places and characters, okay? So I, you know, a lot of games have been designed that are about a very uh, drawn-back look of, of space, uh, I don't know if that's exactly the right word, but I this time I wanted to um really get on the planet. You know, I wanted to um see the people that were living there and interact with them and, and learn maybe how they interact with each other. Uh that was one goal. The next goal was um I wanted this to be a game with lots of different paths to victory and a very um you know uh replayable set of mechanisms that matched the the setting. And the theme and, and helped players feel like they were there. And um, the third goal was uh, make it one of the most beautiful games I've made. So, And, and uh, I think that, that, that's, that's sort of what I focused on.
0: A couple more from Tommy Gunn. So first one here is, it's been about five years since Empires of the Void was first published. In what ways has your perspective as an artist and a designer changed during that time? Um, And are there specific lessons that you learned which are reflected in your latest design?
1: Yeah, so that original Empires of the Void... um, Six six years ago, right? Yeah, I did learn a lot. Obviously, I have learned a lot since then. Um, The first thing is, back when I did Empires of the Void 1, I was using an old style of art um, that... uh, that was very uh, focused around drawings. So I would draw something, and then I would color it um, with Photoshop, and then I would sort of make it look as painterly as I could, but it was, it was more like an animated look. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, I've learned more about how to uh, really paint uh, without drawing anything, I'll just, I'll just start throwing paint straight onto the canvas. And when I say paint, I'm using Photoshop, but it's, yeah. I'm not sketching or yeah. drawing anything. I'm just throwing shapes down and, and, and it, what happens is you get much, uh, much more sort of, uh, mature and, uh, I don't know. Uh, definitely a different painted look.
0: You know. mm-hmm. it's, building, it's
1: building blocks, really. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And it's it's, a, it's just a different style, and that's what I went for the, with this one. So one thing, one major difference between this game and uh, the original Empires of the Void is after watching players play Empires of the Void many times and getting stuck or frustrated because of maybe a bad die roll or different things that I let players do in the game like that would get them stuck or make them frustrated or make them feel angry, like they'd go in with one unit to roll one die,
2: yep. rather than sending multiple to increase their chance probability, and they would do turn after turn after turn yeah, of stubbornness be, or something. there would be
1: turn after turn of failure, and um, so that would play, some players would leave the game with a very dissatisfied feeling. And so I was trying to avoid that. Also, in the original Empires of the Void, you can attack, maybe, maybe uh, I'm at the corner of the board, and both of the other players are attacking me. And sort of ganging up on me, and that can really hurt my ability to win the game. It can. It, what it does is it, it directly affects your economy because in the original Empires of the Void, um, your economy is based on the planets that you control. So now your economy is not based on the planets you control. It is based on how you manage and affect your player board. Um, it is there may be maybe like five percent of it is affected uh, is dependent upon the planets you own. But that means that if you lose territories, it doesn't hurt as bad. It doesn't mean you're going to be stuck in the back of the game. You still have a chance to move forward and still win the game. You can win this game without controlling planets. You know, you can win the game by focusing on diplomacy, for example.
0: And I can attest to the fact that you can win the game when the other two players are ganging up on you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's true.
2: And most games, you know, if two people gang up, the other third person, you know, three player game, right, would win, like right. It's just like it's a guaranteed win and so it, it creates this really weird imbalances with combat where like it almost becomes a disadvantage or too much of an advantage or something like that. So yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah. Let's just do one other design goal really quickly. The the some of the battles in Empires of the Void won can take a very long time. And so we've created a battle system. I created a battle system in this one where uh the battles aren't long, but the choices you make in them are meaningful, but they're quick. Yeah. They they're quickly. they're one round. Yeah. One round long. I'd, I'd say
0: that's something you've accomplished with the uh, design of the game, sort of, overall. Is with the battles, also with the follow system for the turn order, and sort of the way turns work, is it's all very fast moving now. Yes, yeah.
2: yeah. There's very little downtime, there's very little time just, waiting yeah. your turn again. In fact, if you're dilly-dallying or if you daydream, guess what, it's your turn again, you know, so, so you stay engaged. And you don't dilly-dally, there's really not a really even, it's very hard for that to even happen a lot of times, because Everything that somebody else is doing is affecting you. So mm-hmm. we love how that just keeps you in the experience.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, next question, also from Tommy Young. Uh, so none of your previous titles included miniatures. Can you share your thoughts about how the miniatures offered? I'm um, referring to both the Fusion Beast and the Stretch Gold minis of the original campaign we're meant to enhance either the gameplay and or atmosphere of Empires of the Void So what are miniatures adding to the game?
2: I want to take a step at that. Yeah. So for me, um, you know, we've talked a lot about how this, this world and this map create and present a personality and a narrative that you get to experience. But there's another side of narrative, and that is your individual personal narrative, right, that you get to experience. And I think there is... A tremendous tactile experience of holding a miniature of just last remnant of your species.
1: You can see that three D thing, and you know? and
2: knowing that. I mean, I'm a big fan of like Battlestar Galactica, and I, I know that that's a you know sh- this ship was alone and it was starting to survive. And there's a lot of just character and um just meaning, I guess, to that that you can then imbue as you make your choices and as you do things. So I think having something that's representative that why we have a player board, right? A player board with a picture of, you know, uh, an alien of this species. And so these elements, I think, are are, are key to really um, making decisions feel like they matter for you and really being proud, regardless of victory points, uh, being proud of your accomplishment at the end of the game. And uh, But on the other note, you know, victory points... From many, many games we've played and many, many playtests we've seen, uh, I will say we see very, very good scores, very close scores, very, very tight uh, mechanics, uh, you know, in that regard. Yeah. But but that's I think that's one reason. Maybe, Ryan, you have a different answer for that.
1: No, that's a good reason. Uh, and one just small reason is it's great to have different uh, components of different materials so that it's easy to see everything on the board. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. So some a couple more questions from the chat. This first one is actually from Meeple Source. So, oh, hey. Hi, Source. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, they're asking about how long does each person's turn take on average?
1: I would say um, like 10 minutes. No. <laughs> uh,
2: no ten minutes.
1: <laughs> I want to say uh, maybe a minute.
0: Yeah, it definitely depends on which specific action they're taking. Yeah. Uh, specifically, the move action can take a bit longer because that's also – The action that can trigger battles. Right. But like we were saying, even battles move pretty quickly. So, Uh, yeah, a couple minutes. And some
1: turns might, might take, like, for me to do a certain action, like, uh, draw cards, that's, you know, 10 seconds. I draw my cards. All three of us are done
2: in 30 seconds. And we're done. Mm We
1: move on to the next thing. But,
2: but we're all going to feel like it's not really long for one person and then suddenly really fast and really fast. If I'm doing something that happens to have a little bit more choices, guess what? Everybody else is also like making those choices. Yeah, because, because of the follow. Because of the follow yeah. mechanic. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But so that keeps that keeps everything a bit more even for each player. Even
2: if you're doing a pass, when there's one of those things, it's probably because you're you're going to be the defender then in that battle. I mean, there. That's. It. I mean, there's a fair point here, right? When you see someone being attacked, or if you're attacking a neutral alien race someone has to roll the dice for that other person. So there's always a participatory thing. Uh, Kind of think like in the storytelling games when someone is their turn, someone else is also engaged in doing something through that. So, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. Uh, Next question is from Gab. Ken, where do the world ships start now? Um,
1: There are two, there are two. uh, So these are two other quote scenarios. Mm -hmm. They can start over here in the corner. There's this blank space. And this is like, we've all been traveling for, a, for 10 years, and, and, and so this is sort of the area where we ended up, um, and we're starting to explore this sector. Um, the other way is you can, uh, starting with the last player in turn order, you can one at a time place the ships uh, on, on one of these nodes on the map. I don't know if you can see them. They're just these sort of white nodes, and you can put, you know, one player put one here and then there, and you're sort of more spread out that way. But it, it, there's still plenty of player interaction, even if you start that way.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting when we did a playtest of it that way, with everyone being able to sort of choose an area to place their worldship. It gives you a lot more sort of freedom and power at the beginning of the game, looking at what cards you have in your hand and what uh, sort of planets those cards relate to to sort of begin setting up your strategy because maybe you have a card that requires you to be in orbit around Measle 3 or something. So you could start in this area that's next to Measle 3 and that could like give you a sort of a jump start at the beginning of the game to really get your strategy going.
2: Right, right. So nice thing about potential of scenarios is that um, these are the things that, you know, can be created or developed over time and we can see, lot of narratives uh, be introduced and uh, explore so the board is very diverse in that regard there will be a lot of different things we'll see maybe more focus on one of the specific planets has a heavier Im- impact over the course of that whole uh, game that that scenario so yeah we'll yeah. share more of those later
0: so Christopher asked would you explain the design choices for the worldship miniatures so
1: um, I, I, well, when I was making them, I was trying to make them all very visually unique so that when you looked at the board, it wouldn't be a, maybe five ships that all look somewhat similar. And obviously they'd all look very unique. And I was trying to make them match sort of the, the different, uh, aliens that uh, they belong to. So for example, the, the Eve ship is the green one it looks more smooth and uh, sleek and kind of futuristic because they're very focused on technology and uh, design and advancement. Um, the earth one is very boxy and looks kind of like a 1970s sci-fi. Sort of a 1970s thing. It's, it's sort of like they just built, it's very practical, you know, they built it probably in a time of desperation and, and just used it and, and, and left earth as quickly as they could because they were losing the war there. And, uh, you know, the same, same with uh, the other ones. Uh, they they sort of, i tried to make them match their, their uh, species.
0: Okay. And one more question from Christopher. Does one need to play the original Empires of the Void in order to understand and fully appreciate this game, or does it stand well on its own?
1: I think this totally stands well on its own. Mm-hmm. You definitely don't need to play the original game. The original game no. is, de- is more of a traditional space, sort of a conquer the galaxy kind of a game. And while it is fun to see some of the things that carry over, like a lot of the aliens from that original game, or some of them, I should say, make to this game, um, it's, it's, you don't need to experience it to enjoy this. No. One. It's a very different game.
0: Yeah. Uh, block asks, couldn't help but notice that the Nomads of Earth player board background has a distinct near and far feel to it. Does Empires of the Void 2 take place in the same universe as Arzium? Is, is Empire's of The Void 2 actually the story of how Arzium was founded? <laughs> is the lost ruin a crashed spaceship?
1: I just can't say.
2: You'll have to figure it out. <laughs> we'll
0: have to discover. Play near and far, yourself.
2: and then this, and then we'll <laughs> talk. Me. <laughs> so, uh,
0: so uh, this is also from Big. So since the introduction of the Big Bird, there's been mention of starting scenarios. Can you elaborate a little on what that looks like? Uh, relatedly, does this have any impact on what event cards are shuffled into the deck? As in, are there some scenarios that correspond with event cards? Uh, this scenario aspect excites me. Seems like it plays well into your brand's interest in engaging stories.
1: Yeah, so in the there aren't going to be too many a lot of focus on scenarios in the in the basic game but in the rule book in the in the back of the rule book there will be a number of different like ways that you can play and um, you know one way is the explore scenario where you explore everything one at a time and then one will be where everything's uh, laid out but there'll also be some other fo- uh, story focused scenarios that you can play um, maybe in one scenario there'll be sort of a, 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 a an a, an alien empire, the Hecrix, will be invading, and they'll sort of be traveling one planet at a time, and they'll be taking things over. And uh, so that's another thing you have to worry about when you're trying to take over the map.
0: So uh, then again from Brad Skacks, we have, uh, what were each of your favorite races to play during development?
1: My favorite is always these guys. I like the bugs. <laughs> My second favorite's the eeg, the frogs.
0: I like playing as Earth.
1: Okay. You know? Yeah,
2: I would. It's hard. I've enjoyed all of them, but I, I kind of really like Decima. Yeah, the robots.
1: So, yeah, nice.
0: Yeah, robots are fun. So John Kid John Kidge asks, uh, "How do you envision future expansions for the game and the Fringe universe?"
1: Uh, um, future expansions. Adds, sorry, yeah. The yeah.
0: easiest one seems to be new planets, but would that take away from the storytelling aspect?
1: Well, no, I it wouldn't. I mean, if we did an expansion, uh, the best thing that what you would do is we would add more planets, but then add different events and action cards. And so those action cards would be designed specifically for the new mix of planets. And we would focus. Maybe there would be like sort of a new uh, story focus with those planets. Yeah. Again, you know, when when
2: you build the deck of cards, um, maybe this is you know new for some people. So I'll just try to explain this real quick you build uh, each planet, you'll find those action cards and those events, you'll pull them out, and you'll pick all the planets you know that you're using, you know, in the setup obviously we have everything, but maybe depending on the number of players or something, it can vary. So you're going to have all of these cards together, and you're going to possibly take out other ones. So if you're doing these planets, or if you switch out with, say, different planets, again, you're just going to build and kind of cater that based on what's being uh, played. Don't use the cards that aren't being played. Any new planet would then, of course, have to have those new action cards, new event cards, new units, and new ally powers. Yeah. So, so that's like it, it's all going to have to come with it because that planet has its own personality and new golden cult- culture and techs and everything else. So, technologies and so right. yeah, there's there's a whole different. So I guess
0: the quick answer is expansions, definitely new planets, probably new scenarios and there will be a big focus on any new planets we develop on creating that thematic for you to go along with those as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, William James Gray asks, how does technology work? Technology. That's something that we've added kind of new, kind of recently.
1: Yeah, so on the board, you can see that you have building tracks and you have little technology spots, okay? So when you, uh, on your turn... Now, when you get a good, you have to place it below your player board. You can't place it immediately. And when you do the research action, then you can place it on one of the building tracks or you can place it on one of these technologies. And you also have to pay a certain amount of card power in order to do it. You'll be discarding cards, and you'll be placing specific goods on these different technologies. And uh, they give you a point. In most cases, and they also give you some kind of new ability. So you can see that bottom one. I don't know if you can see it. It says Warbots, Recruit Warbots. So that's how you can recruit Warbots. Or some of them let you warp, some of them let you move in different ways, and some of them let you. They're, they're, some are unique for each. Uh, and those commander. costs are on the bottom.
2: So like the Warbots, you need to be a metal and one power card. And you spend one power, power from your hand. Right. Uh, and then other ones, I can't see it. It does look like the more you get, there are ones that even unlock like extra points. Yeah, if you finish a group of them or right. finish yeah. multiples or all of them, or all of them even. Yeah. So. Okay.
0: So that's going to add some extra uniqueness to each of the to each of the alien races, since they'll have some unique technologies that yeah. they can get. Yeah. So next question is from Tommy Gun. How did the darker theme influence your narrative in this game?
1: How did the what? How the did the darker, darker theme. theme? Darker theme. Um. I would say. Uh,
0: but I guess maybe the premise of the question is also, do you think this has a darker theme than your other
1: <laughs> games? Um, it, maybe it does. I mean, it, I think I was going for a more serious tone Serious, yeah. than some yeah. of my other games. And the art
2: and everything definitely has a darker, richer, kind of more space-like... More mature, yeah.
1: maybe? And more, a little bit more mature. I mean, so that... I was going for uh, yeah more more of a serious note. so that that affected the art. I went for more serious looking. I'm not art. saying mature
2: like mature as in like like, like ratings. I'm saying or, mature yeah, now like in Ryan as a designer and an artist, it's matured. It's matured from, from yeah early, but, early
1: yeah yeah but, and it's also more. I hate to use the term like it's not realistic. It's still a space opera game, but <laughs> I mean it, it's more of a real look to some of these. Makes things. it easier to get immersed. In that, right? <laughs> right right. <laughs>
0: So Catherine, again, asks, I adore your use of animal companions in your games. Any chance we'll see this portrayed in Empires of the Void 2 in the art or the player boards, if not with the gameplay? You're going to add a little shoulder cat to the... Maybe
1: I need to to add add a shoulder cat. I don't know. (laughs)
2: Those those animals, if they get control of all this technology and this power... Plants,
1: which are getting destroyed, and chaos comes into <laughs> cats could take over this whole map. And then it would really be cat's dog, that's hysteria.
0: Yeah, you won't get a cat map, but you'll maybe get a cat scenario where the cats are taken over. Yes. So, also from Catherine, lately you've laid down backstories of fleeing shattered homelands in search of new lands to settle. What is it that makes this narrative so compelling? And are you uh, drawing from specific life experiences of
1: your own? <laughs> <That's> <laughs>
2: reality, yeah. No, reality.
1: <laughs> no uh, that's true. That's an interesting uh, point. I mean, maybe, it's, maybe it's the world we live in today. I mean, lots of people have to flee from their homeland. And it, it actually, just I think that story, that is a basic story that's always resonated with me. And so maybe that's why.
0: So, uh, now, how would you describe Empire's The Void 2? Classic 4X game, 4X hybrid, 3X, 0X, 0Xs,
1: no X. Zero zero Xs. X's. No <laughs> okay, X's so I all. know I have hey, again, this, evil can X's. A, this can be a, a rabbit hole. Can of worms to go down, and I know before I have said this is a 4x game, but it really has the aspects of a 4x game. I think when I say, I think when I have said that before, it's it's really because there seems to be this very specific idea that people have in their mind of what a 4x game is, and that is hexagon map, um, revealed one piece at a time. But it really does contain, I mean, the aspects of all of those things. It has it some exploration has some exploitation, it has some extermination, although you can't kill someone, you can't get them out of the game, and it has uh, some, uh, what's the last thing? Expression, expansion. Expansion, yeah, expansion. So it has all of those things, it's just maybe we have explored that genre from a new angle, a new direction. Mm -hmm. And and that's why we tried to throw an asterisk
2: next to the 4X thing, because um, we could show you where that is maybe in all the four aspects of the 4Xs, but... Uh, disclaimer, you know, a traditional 4X thing, uh, you know, telling someone that this is 4X, but it doesn't fit the mold is going to probably cause some confusion. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to use a term and, and and you know, and then use that term appropriately. When you say deck building, you know, deck building kind of means something. City of Iron is deck building, but also you didn't shuffle. You just flipped the deck over. And so and that kind of thing, it like, maybe creates a little bit different variance on what is there so sure. this is definitely a variant or it's a designed new approach to <laughs> yeah.
1: a 4x experience I will experience. Let, I will let you uh, <laughs> all decide if this is a 4x game there's a there's
0: a genre in video games called a roguelike game
1: yeah.
0: perhaps this is a 4x like
1: game <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: yes it Skirting gets. the
1: issue and keeping it safe to say it, <laughs> it has the 4 xs though <laughs> it does yes
0: so this person.
1: Um, can I just add one thing to that? We'll yeah, it. go
2: ahead. Ryan has said this, and Ryan, you can, re, you know, re, if I get you misquote you here, um, he didn't set out when he made this game to make a four X game. Okay, it, he made a game to have this, as he said, the card combos and the abilities and the actions, and everything have this card driven kind of at its core. Now it does have, you know,
1: so we see those elements there, but that wasn't the perhaps the- when i start i wasn't starting from like civilization you know that wasn't my starting point i was starting from a defin- a, def- a different place you know actually the original influence for Empires of the void uh, and has been a big influence over the years is the uh, video game star control 2 very old video game but in that game you don't you don't build settlements you don't take over planets but you do travel around space do a lot of exploration and gain allies and gain different ships and uh and uh Anyway, you should check it out if you haven't seen it. But that has been a big influence.
0: Uh, Also, from Ralph Ruman, he asks How well does the game scale at the hour spectrum player count? So, two player and five player. Where do you feel the sweet spot lies in player count?
1: I think everyone's going to have a different answer here. Yeah, I actually think, um, I want to say two and three. Two is a great I've had some really exciting two player games of this. So I really like the two player game.
0: I've only played it with three
1: three I've yeah. only
0: done three player count games, That's but true. i really enjoyed
1: them. I've watched a lot of different player counts. I um I don't know. I, I, I like... The, exactly. you like the five, five. <laughs> and, and and if there's a six, bring it on. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, there's so much <laughs> yeah, it's true. When you have the five, there's so much interaction, there's so many players, and it's it is a lot of fun there. Yes, um, it's a little more. It's a little more chaotic with five players. Well, that
2: action of that having to spend two command to take any action. So you know you're following on this, and everyone's having these reactions. But then suddenly you're finding that you need that command. And you're spending that command in different ways because now you want to try to you know find what you need to do. So it, it, it presents a different set of choices and dynamics too, which I like. But yes, there is a lot of interaction with all those four players, and and that's always fun too. So
0: we've got one Good person whose favorite player count is five. One person's whose favorite player count is two. So I guess that would answer that it scales really well <laughs> to the, outer, to the yeah. outer limits of player yeah. count. It's good
2: all the way through, and there's a lot of different things. I mean, it's going to balance very differently. Or maybe that's not what I'm trying to say. It's going gonna, it's gonna to feel,
1: different. feel I mean, different. It's a
2: different game. But a lot of people have had this resounding, we love the two and the three. So yeah. this, this is important because um, usually when you think of like you know, you're doing a sci fi kind of thing with exploration, um, you know, and you have planets and this kind of things. Like, it's, it feels hollow if it doesn't have like a full player table. Like, you're supposed to go to the convention, you're supposed to fill it with like, you need maximum people. eight people, <laughs> maximum all the way, like, yeah. bunker down, it's like gonna be a whole day experience. And, and I think it's really important that this is a really good two player game. It's also a really good three player and four player and five player. Yeah. So, the designer Actually. has been playtesting this with his wife, probably more. The two-player. Yeah,
1: I actually have.
2: So we know it's going to be good with two, and that's always been a strong thing. I think with all of our games, we always try to make sure that there's a really good two-player game in the box.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you very much for joining us, and I yeah. really, thank you. I apologize for everybody for backing and for for working with us and for your support. Yeah, thanks for backing. Thanks so much. We
0: really appreciate all your enthusiasm and your support and all your comments and. Uh, we're we're so grateful for you
1: guys. Yeah, you know? it's it's been great to you know go on this journey with a group of such as you know such a supportive group. So we we appreciate it. And Keep it. your open your your open enthusiasm and your
2: comments and your feedback coming. We don't need to sleep, so
1: yeah. do it. <laughs> so I, I I will apologize. I'm sorry about the video quality. I'm not sure exactly why that. Uh, wasn't as yeah. good as we'd hoped. But, uh, Sorry maybe, about
0: any and all technical difficulties. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> we'll, maybe
1: we'll be able to do uh, one more of these before this is over and it will be better. <laughs> Who knows? So, anyway, uh, thanks, guys, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll see you later. See ya. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us. We'd also like to say thank you to Fluid Volt for the use of our theme song. Doggy Goes Moo off the album Clay Memory. You can find more of their music on soundcloud.com slash fluidvolt. You can follow us on Twitter at RedRavenGame, no S. Or you can follow just me on Twitter at Brenna underscore Or you can follow Andrew on Twitter at Enderfrick1. And we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Nevermore.